In the beginning, when I was a one-woman show, there wasn't any uh, life-work balance, <laughs> to be honest. It was 16, 18-hour days. Hi, welcome to Day One, the show for regional startups and the organisations that support them. Today's episode was made in part with support from Singularity U Australia. Join your local chapter and get involved in solving the world's grand challenges. Learn more at welcometodayone.com forward slash singularity. I'm Adam Spencer and today I'm going to share with you the story of Vision Eyes and its founder, Linda Baiskos. My name's Linda Baiskos. I'm the director of Vision Eyes Fashion Design and Manufacturing Services. Let's go back to day one, where this story begins. I grew up in a very remote little place where dad built our house, made my car, made the furniture, mum made the clothes and we ate what we grew and hunted basically. So I just learned from mum how to make clothes and I've always made clothes. Um, I wanted to be a fashion designer more than anything as a child um, but where I grew up there was no such career mm. so I was also into art did a lot of um, paintings and various types of art and ended up looked at what, what can I do with my creativity decided to do graphic design as the I guess had, had the most hope of actually turning into a career something mm-hmm. that I can make a living off. So Linda completed her graphic design degree and we'll come back to that in a minute but before we start to tell the visionized story we need to learn what comes before that before Vision Eyes, Linda had a fashion brand and a retail storefront. I first started a retail store. I was sewing myself and buying some other brands. And then I realized that it's too time consuming. And also my passion was more in design rather than making. So I decided I needed to, some help with that. And I looked at a number of different places where I could do it. And I picked Bali because it's, uh, it's close. And the sort of workmanship that they did there was aligned with what I wanted to create. And I just went there and did a bit of research and met a lady that I ended up setting up a factory with, a local Balinese lady. And then from there, I um, set up a warehouse and a design studio and um, ended up with 200 retailers around the world uh, on a wholesale basis. So after nine years, Linda sold that business to spend some well-deserved time to focus on being a mum to her two children. Linda wanted to start a new business, one that would eventually allow her to do what she loved while also balancing that with her family life. After Linda had taken a bit of time off to focus on family, she wanted to start another business, one that would help her maintain a healthy balance between work and family. While she had been taking a break, she was already being asked advice about how to start a fashion brand. I had already a lot of connections and I had all the resources and I looked at ways I could use that to move forward in a different way. And another reason was that I was always asked all the time from people that want to start a fashion brand or wanted to move factory. People always asking me for help, whether it was from the manufacturing side or whether it was from the brand side. So eventually I thought, well, I think the business is organically happening by itself. So it was just a natural flow from one business to another. So how was Linda able to build a successful company that allows her business to service dozens of clients while 
also living a great lifestyle with her family. In the beginning, when I was a one-woman show, there wasn't any um, life-work balance, <laughs> to be honest. It was 16, 18-hour days. So how were those 16 and 18-hour days being spent? First, I did a lot of research on different platforms and different technology mm -hmm. solutions that could improve our, the efficiency of our operations. So trialing a lot of them was, was quite time-consuming and setting it all up and then realizing down the track that, oh, I didn't really do everything I needed mm -hmm. to do. And also we were held back a bit budget-wise in the beginnings. So we would just go with what we could afford. Yeah. But then as the business is growing and you need to grow your systems accordingly, we then, you know, gone into more sophisticated systems and we take, I've taken platforms and just sort of molded it to how we need it to work for our specific business type. And it's a big investment, but that's the only reason we can operate with such a large volume now. With a very small team, Visionize are able to serve far more clients and serve them well. And that's because of the systems Linda and her team have built within their business. So we design and manage and produce for about 60 plus brands, 63 I think it was when I counted yesterday. And setting up those systems and workflows was a critical part of Linda's business plan long before she started to bring on team members to help. Having the right systems and technology in place has allowed Linda to scale Visionize. One of the key things behind this business model was that I wanted to set it up in a way where we could streamline the process so much that we could keep on taking on more and more work with that it physically being equally as much work. So it's to do with technology and our systems for how we manage the process. So we have a way that uh, eliminates error, eliminate communication, a way that there's a lot of automation in our systems and a way that we can communicate very efficiently with our offshore partners. Mm -hmm. The actual day-to-day -day task and the, what often can be a time-consuming task, we've removed a lot of those so that uh, we try to maximize what we call billable hours. <laughs> time is crucial and that's something we I spent a lot of time creating systems to save time and over time it's very well, very well worth it. <laughs> Linda's graphic design degree comes back into play now, helping her brand her new business. So Linda has set up the business, business plan done, systems in place, branding, website, done. I created my own website, all our own marketing material we have never paid for any major marketing campaigns or anything like that. I've just done it all myself. And mm. from that, it's just, yeah, word of mouth and traffic that we get on our website. But what was Visionize? How was it helping and who was it helping? We'll get to who in a minute. But first, what was Visionize offering? What was its product slash service? It started off, the main offering was first to help with offshore manufacturing and mm -hmm. set up mm -hmm. brands with offshore manufacturing. But then the design services, which I did already um, offer, that became more and more uh, a main part of the business as well, a lot more than I expected. And I guess I just found that by starting out with that, that we already had a trust and relationship going on. So then I found that my clients also wanted me to design, they also wanted me to do their branding, they also wanted me to do their website, and I just ended up doing everything in the end, their budgets, their marketing, everything. It just sort of was an organic thing that it's 
yeah, add, it kept on adding to the services. <laughs> Linda was in a great position, having run her previous fashion business for nine years or so, and the contacts and relationships she had built over those years really helped her transition into her new business. I often had people asking me for help, but there was just as I had been um, sitting down and actually starting to create this business plan, I launched Messenger on my new phone and suddenly all these new messages came up and one of them was from a fan of my previous fashion brand. Uh, I didn't know this person. She was up in Byron Bay and she just said she was a fan of my brand and asking if I could um, help her with uh, starting a fashion label and production in Bali. And I responded saying, oh, funny you ask, because I'm actually just in the process of making a business helping with exactly that. And then she responds back saying, thanks for responding back six or seven years later. But <laughs> anyway, now that you have, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so something had happened with my messenger that I hadn't seen. I think it was messages from people that weren't my friends. Mm, they were in a mm, different place mm. and I hadn't seen them. <laughs> come a few years later and yeah, that was uh, the first one. So where are we now? As we heard previously, Linda was a one-woman show setting up her new business and getting things off the ground. Her existing network was really advantageous in kicking the business into gear and a big part of her business plan was building systems into the business from day one to be able to leverage her time and serve more customers effectively. But systems and workflows only get you so far and you only have a certain number of hours in your day. Meet Linda's not-so-secret weapon. Hi, I'm Cara and I am admin and accounts for Visionize. Cara helps Linda in the day-to-day -day operations of Visionize and helping move the business into the future. Right now, one of the many projects they are working on is refining the website user experience. On the agenda for this year too, on the website, to try and simplify it a little bit because it is a little bit overwhelming. There's so much information there. And that was what I was trying to do in the beginning when I was trying to map it all out and, and yeah, like you said, put it into buckets. But there are so many buckets. Mm -hmm. Can we take one of them out? But we can't because no. all the areas within our business are actually really busy and we are yeah. adding to them now. But it also just goes to show, uh, I guess, the naivety of someone's trying to, because it's, it's very, very, very common. Yeah. For, you know anyone they may they don't even have design experience to be like well I've got an idea and I want to create it right so they go online and they google manufacturer Bali manufacturer China and then they send pitches to someone and someone makes something and yeah. either takes their money or actually makes it who knows yeah. mm -hmm. but it's very very common and easily accessible now to make your own brand but what people don't understand is how complex this business sounds the manufacturing is more complex than that there's so many uh pieces to the puzzle and yeah we explain it in like layman's terms we explain it nice and you know a little bit wrapped up yeah. but it's very complex and it's very hard and um just because you've done it for even years mm. you've manufactured for years you're gonna still run into those same problems that may have happened five years ago that you thought you'd maybe fix yeah um, so it is the reason why it sounds complex is because it is complex <laughs> the 
biggest mistake that startups do is that they put all their energy into designing and all they care, they care about the product so much, but then they forget about the who fact they're selling that, it to. who they're selling yeah. it to. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done enough market research. Like for us, we've been lucky with our marketing, but that's only because I have a long history in the industry. But for someone who's like been an accountant and decided to be a fashion designer, it's a bit different. And and then they have this beautiful product and they're launching to nobody mm. because that no one knows about them. That's yeah. the biggest problem. And then and they then, kind of come back to us and they're like, oh, well, we can't sell. Yeah. So this is another <laughs> reason why we now be keep adding to our services because then we find that that's also now becoming our responsibility that they need to sell the product now <laughs> that we created it for them. So now we're implementing into the first stage of the project that they have to have marketing meetings with our marketing person <laughs> and then we help them with doing their marketing plan and prepare, make sure everything is done in the right order, that the site is is crawled by Google in time, that they've got X amount of followers wow. by the time they launch and all these things. Because if we don't help them with all these steps, they end up with a product with no customers. And then we're kind of shooting <laughs> ourselves in the foot because we're just joining the mass produced that's just exactly. Mm. And they don't budget. They just they yeah. they come to us like wanna I wanna start a fashion business and I've got five thousand dollars and we're like <laughs> No. <laughs> so then we have to do the budgets as well and show them how much you know we, we do a very detailed budget so they know the net profit based on sell through scenarios and the overlap and based on how many seasons per year and it's it's quite people don't understand the cash flow and the raw landed cost markups all of this is just like they don't want to know about it yeah. they <laughs> choose not to know scary. about it do all of that so we actually don't let anyone go to sampling before they've approved the budget <laughs> they just come to us with some rough sketches i want to have a brand and then we take care of the rest startups generally come with unrealistic expectations to everything mm. uh, and often very needy so we have we trying very hard to set the expectations right from the beginning we have what a filtration process mm. now like they have to feel like quite an extensive inquiry in order for us to even talk to them and from that inquiry they have to answer questions that will straight away help us determine you know is this is this worthwhile or not and then um, we are very honest with them up front about how much money everything's going to cost and the risk and the complexity and everything we sometimes I've had people come here thinking they've got the best idea in the world and they've flown in or whatever and then I have them leaving in tears because I just ruined their dream but I rather them know up front how much they're going to be up for financially and all the work and all the risk that's associated rather than you know us just saying yeah let's take this customer and see how far we can get it and then they're going to come and scream at us down the track what's (laughs) what's so important and what's really hard I guess in any scenario with customers paying customers Mm. is that if you aren't successful we aren't successful the factory is not successful we by no means don't want you to be successful we're not looking to just take your money because there's no point in that for us Mm. so to give you an idea we'll maybe get 15 to 20 inquiry a week and convert maybe two of those if they feel like the actual brief that's like a pretty serious ago because even when i showed no i'm gonna show you (laughs) 
But they, they they can still write on that inquiry, what's your budget? And they write two grand. Yeah, That's yeah. But what I mean inquiry. is that a lead is just someone coming to the website in the first place. Yeah. The second step for them to go to the appropriate page, fill out quite an extensive brief that asks about budgets and detailed stuff about yeah. like, it prompts like a mini business plan, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That is still considered a serious lead. Although yeah, there's people on there that have like, are absolutely off the track, but they've gone through the extent of filling out an extensive Yeah. But still, this is is a lead that's gone to the second stage yes. of the process. Most yeah. people have a you know attention span of two seconds on a website. For them to actually go on that page and fill it out, and you know a lot of questions. We have a lot of dreamers who fill out the manufacturing brief. Yeah, though. and then from that, our conversion rate from our inquiry. If you have to look at the stats, it doesn't mm. look great. Mm. But yeah. that's because if we were converting 15 brands a week, then that's not even sustainable. That's kind of not on brand for us mm. but um yeah that's just like the amount of people i guess who are, have nice ideas we'd be talking about doing like webinars and things like that yeah. it's something that's yeah, kind yeah. of like bulked up that once we've created it it's not cost us nothing to keep, to keep it going it. yeah and that's something we could sell to all those people that aren't quite ready, ready. yet and yes. it saves us answering the same question 20 times a day because they can go and listen to that webinar. Yeah. Um, so then the next step is yeah, like after they fill out the brief, they get an email and then they can have a free, what is it? 10 minute consult with Cara. And then if they want to have more serious, like really detailed questions about budgets and like how much is this all going to cost, etc., they yeah. can have a paid half an hour with me, a video or, or in house or they can have a design feasibility meeting with our head designer for an hour before they commit wow. to the whole service. Because we don't want to take anyone on who's not prepared. It's almost yeah, cool right. to have someone pay a whole bunch of money and then, yeah, if they're not fully, 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 fully prepared, like I send them their final kind of uh, service agreement and everything. And before I do that, I will email them and say, do you have any questions at all before we do this? You know, mm. Are you sure you're on top of this? It's yeah. not just like a sales pitch where, you know, at the end it's like, and how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like very consciously taking on clients. I think that that's an important word, like mm. consciously and follow these brands. A lot of the time too, like they come here and feel like a little bit crushed. I didn't realize, you know, uh, how complex and how much it was going to cost, mm. etc. And they get a bit upset, but then, you know, <laughs> They come back a year later. Both Cara and Linda are big supporters of sustainability within the fashion industry and it's a foundational value that Visionize is built on. So I've grown up in nature and been a vegetarian all my life and, and grown up in a family that's very involved in, in um, environmental protection. For me, being in fashion and, and knowing the, the negative impact that, that the fashion industry has on the environment is really concerning and so my focus is to help our industry to leave less of a footprint and also to help uh, small businesses have the same opportunity as large businesses to work with world-class professional manufacturers, have the same access to resources as the big companies. Then also how the employees are actually treated, um, what they're aware of when it comes to their rights and um, how many hours they work, do they get maternity leave, um, all of those types of things which are often looked over. Um, it's very important to us to stay on top of that and it's something that we check in with our factories very often about. 
and we also prompt our clients to ask those questions and we like being asked those questions and we want to ask those questions and we think that um, it's important to, to always speak up when it does come to manufacturing in an area that you may have never been you know to go and especially if you're starting out as a brand to go and see the factory and make a relationship because even though this person you know maybe made a really really far way away it's important to regardless have a relationship with them because you are going to be business partners and yeah that that's something that we try and educate our clients on a fair bit and promote Thank you for listening to the story of Visionites with Linda Baskos and Kara Armstrong. I hope you enjoyed it. Everything that was mentioned in the episode today is on the show notes page on welcometodayone.com. If you enjoyed this story, please consider subscribing to the podcast and rating the show at ratedayone.com. And thank you to our supporters on Patreon, supporters like Murray Herbs and Singularity U Australia. I invite you to help us continue to tell these stories and supporting Australian startups by pledging your support on Patreon. You can do that by going to welcometodayone.com forward slash Patreon. Thank you for giving this episode of Welcome Today One your attention. This story was created by me, Adam Spencer. Interviews conducted by me, Adam Spencer. A big thank you to Linda and Cara for being involved. The script was written by me, Adam Spencer, music by Lee Rosevere, full attribution on our website at welcometodayone.com. This episode was produced by me and edited by Natalie Holland.